Welcome to This is Robotics, radio news, podcasting news and commentary from around the world. Please join us for today's radio news report with your host, Tom Green, for news, analysis, and commentary from the wide world of robotics. Radio News is a production of Asian Robotics Review, your most trusted news resource in global robotics. And now, here's Tom. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to This is Robotics Radio News. Thank you very much for welcoming us back again into your earphones or your earbuds for another of our shows. This is episode 13. Once again, heartfelt thanks for making us the number one robotics news podcast worldwide. We're now up to 20,000 downloads. Amazing. Wonderful. We're so happy. Kicking off today's podcast is our new column, What's New in Robotics? That's the column we do in partnership with Robotique, world leader in plug-and-play cobot applications. What's New in Robotics this time around takes an interesting look at events and trade shows as that industry comes back into prominence in a post-COVID world. Now that COVID is on the wane, trade shows have been slowly lumbering back into the global event circuit this past year or so, mostly to highly receptive audiences. The event produces a happy. Events are a $1 trillion a year business where everything is paid for in advance up front. Before the doors open, the event producers already have been paid. Nice, nice piece of business there. One of this year's biggest returnees, PAC Expo International, appeared in Chicago October 23rd to the 26th, absent since 2018. That's a long time. PAC Expo promised to return larger than ever with a flurry of new looks, staging, and attendee outreach, and it sure delivered on that promise. Pack Expo, as its name implies, is all about the four P's. Packaging, packing, palletizing, and production. All of which, in today's e-commerce-driven world, are more than considerable importance. From the perspective of robots and cobots, however, it was a dominating performance in Chicago. Pack Expo had 2,000-plus exhibitors spread out over 1.2 million square feet of exhibition space. But even with all that... The important takeaways from the four-day event can be summed up in two words. We'll take a look at the importance of those two words and how ABB, KUKA, Epson, Universal Robots, Beckoff, and Robotique use those two words for those four days, and most everyone else as well. Then we'll venture into the mysterious world of robotics, artificial intelligence, and why the key to both just happens to be, of all things, philosophy. According to David Deutsch, arguably the founding father of quantum computing, he's betting on philosophy in his new article that he titles, Philosophy Will Be the Key That Unlocks Artificial Intelligence. Yes, philosophy, that most ancient of human brain teasers. And if AI is to ever emulate the thinking capability of a human being, philosophy is the answer. According to David Deutsch, as Deutsch says, AI with human-like thinking is achievable. But it will take more than computer science and neuroscience to develop machines that think like people. All of which means that university philosophy majors and graduates won't have to wait for well-paying jobs. They're here now. And there's a big effort afoot to recruit them. According to my calendar, there's International Internet Day on October 29th, which celebrates what many consider the most important invention in human history 
problem is with that is it's the wrong day, the wrong place, and the wrong people. The internet, where we average six hours and 42 minutes a day online, really came into being three years earlier. Let's set the history straight. Now, on with the news, in depth. What's new in robotics took a look at the return of Pack Expo International after its four-year COVID-caused hiatus from the trade show circuit. Upon hitting the show floor, the jump-out realizations to grab onto at Pack Expo were two, more cobots doing more things better and more flexibly than ever, and then, upon closer inspection of those same cobots, the fact that integration of cobot systems is the next great advance in robotics. And if that's all you took away from the show, you would have, in a nutshell, seen the future of packaging and packing. The editors of the show's producer, PPMI, the Association for Packaging and Processing Technologies, formerly Packaging Machinery Manufacturers Institute, noticed the cobot population increase right off as they walked the floor to report their first impressions. Collaborative robots, or cobots, they said, are increasing their impact on packaging systems. It used to be that robots on the show floor had to be given a wide berth. It is still a little surprising to see these cobots free of any enclosure where attendees are free to interact with them. Within those two realizations exists a world of variety, flexibility, and built-in intelligence. Amazing is the seepage of robotics into nearly every aspect of packaging, packing, and production. KUKA's Chad Ducart showed off one such integration with KUKA's PIC control system that uses smart vision software to simultaneously control the actions of six-axis cobot, two Delta robots, and a Scara robot, all working the same conveyor line, picking and packing product in what he called robot-based software for conveyor tracking with integrated image processing. With product cycles getting shorter and shorter while resource and energy efficiency are receiving even greater attention, flexible, integrated production solutions are in demand. He said that he could, for example, with the touch of a button, have one or the other of the Delta robots work faster or slower, and still the conveyors full of product to be packed would remain in sync. ABB showcased a standard IRB 360 flex picker that displayed another new cobot skill in picking integration, artificial intelligence, that allows the robot to learn and adapt to a wide variety of items, including cuboids, cylinders, pouches, blisters, and random shapes, as found in electronics, pharma, healthcare, cosmetics, and other consumer product industries. ABB claims that the Flex Picker's internally developed AI solution provides unprecedented accuracy with a first-time right pick of 98.5% and picking efficiency of 99.5%. And that's picking items from unstructured scenery. And because of reduced computing time, peak pick rates of up to 1,500 items per hour were easily achieved. And what was reminiscent of snap-together toys, Beckoff showed up with Atro, a modular industrial snap-together cobot system that could be used to assemble the optimal cobot structures for different applications on an individual and flexible basis. Need a four-axis cobot today? A six-axis cobot tomorrow? 
or maybe a seventh axis thrown in just in case? Well, the ATRO, Automation Technology for Robotics System, is comprised of standardized motor modules with integrative drive functionality and link modules of various designs and lengths. And here's a pretty cool thing. Beckhoff says that all ATRO models feature internal media feed for data, power, and fluids, vacuum, air, and water. This allows ATRO to use a variety of tools such as mechanical, pneumatic, or electric grippers. And it's because these media feeds are internal it allows for endless rotation of atro axes and end effector tools, as there are no external cables to hinder the robot's range of motion. That's a, that's a cool advance. Epson partners with itself. If you are Epson and known for color printers, you're also known for cobots. Out of a unique partnering between Epson's cobots and printers sprang a novel new way to print labels and then affix them to packages as they travel along a conveyor. That's the idea behind Epson showcasing its integration of its VT6L all-in-one six-axis robot with built-in controller paired with the Epson Colorworks C6000 series color inkjet label printer. That's a great example of the versatility in design and capability that cobots are bringing to automation, especially at PAC Expo where all the versatility can be seen and experienced within walking distance from one to the other on the expo floor. Epson can also be credited with another unique world's first, with its adaptation of a six-axis design cobot with a folding arm kinematic configuration. Great for working in tight spaces, the compact arm of the Flexion has the ability to fold through itself versus moving around itself like a normal cobot. Epson claims that it uses 40% less space than a standard six-axis arm and can easily work within an envelope of one square meter, which is ideal for space-constrained medical and pharma labs. These cobot integrations were just the hallmark of Pack Expo 2022. Then, cobots took on the mighty shipping pallet. The humble but mighty wooden shipping pallet, with over 2 billion in use worldwide, has been the global transport standard for near 100 years. The modest pallet is so powerful a shipping medium that it's even been elevated to verb status, hence to palletize, and its reverse, to depalletize. All manner of human software calculations have been devised on how best to pack pallets and then stabilize their loads for safe, efficient, and least costly transport. Humans charged with loading pallets is pure brain-numbing drudgery, inexpensive. But more often than not, humans get the job, if, that is, enough humans can be found to hire. Automating palletizing or depalletizing would be an industry dream come true. Caged-off robots do it most often but in out-of-the-way shipping areas far away from people and isolated from the flow of production. Cobots are the latest to take on the challenge of automating the packing of the mighty shipping pallet. Pack Expo even had a logistics pavilion with 25 aspiring packing and picking companies with some of them looking to take on the challenge. To win the palletizing, depalletizing challenge is to have a highly mobile, go-anywhere-in-the-factory-or-warehouse cobot 
that could work amid humans and normal production flows, work long hours at near-maximum payload, quickly pack out a pallet, and then be nimble enough to move on to the next pallet in a hurry. Two companies partnered up to take on the world championship of palletizing. World leader in cobot sales, Denmark's Universal Robots, toting along its newest six-axis cobot, the UR-20, with its 20-kilogram payload capacity and longest reach, together with its partner, Canada's Robotique, a specialist in palletizing applications and solutions. It all went down in booth N4925. And wouldn't you know it? They pulled it off in grand style. Packaging World reported, the extended reach capability of the UR-20 is demonstrated in a robotique palletizing system as it shows how the UR-20 can be used to stack items to a height of 5.9 feet. With its extended reach, the UR-20 can be used to stack across two standard U.S. pallets. With Euro pallets, the UR-20 can stack up to 2 meters in height. At long last, the mighty shipping pallet has met its match, and it's a cobot. A cobot vendor's machine integrated with Robotique's application proved decisive. The UR Robotique partnership typified the two unique takeaways of Pack Expo. Cobots married to integration is the next big thing. Be sure to look for it at a trade show or event near you. The student union at my college had a small clutch of tables at one end that seemed exclusively to be inhabited by philosophy majors. Passing by, one could always hear names like Hegel, Nietzsche, and Sartre, and scary words like Gottendammerung ushering up from the group. Sometimes, one of them would blurt out, but who's going to give us a job? Which would be followed by gales of laughter. The reality was that philosophy majors had a tough time getting hired anywhere. Not any longer. (music) Philosophy majors are in demand, big time. Here's why. Philosophy grads are now being sought after. According to the Financial Times, philosophers with dim career prospects are in demand to research the ethics of data tech. Here, here for the table in the corner. We've all been curious about what kinds of jobs digital disruption will create that will mesh well with robots, AI, automation, and humans. Well, the future has spoken and has just popped a well-paid, career-friendly job into view, that of philosopher. Yes, you heard it correctly. Philosophy majors are now suddenly tumbling into vogue to deal with the complex ethical issues involved in using artificial intelligence for policymaking. Helen Merguez, Professor of Society and Internet at the Oxford Internet Institute, University of Oxford, and also Public Policy Program Director at the Alan Turing Institute for Data Science and Artificial Intelligence, told the Financial Times, I spent a day this week interviewing philosophers. Said Professor Merguez, we need someone at the Turing Institute to help government navigate the complex ethical issues involved in using artificial intelligence for policymaking. Our current fellow is working nights and weekends. He has just written the UK government's guidance on ethics and safety for the public sector. Wow, that's a big jump up for philosophy majors. The career prospects of philosophers were not always as promising, she said. Only a few years ago, discouraged undergraduates would complain that despite the intellectual rigor of their degrees, the only interview preparation they had to do after graduating was practicing how to ask, would you like fries with that? Even newly minted PhDs struggled in the job market. 
Academic openings were few. Now, these philosophers are in high demand to research the ethics of data and technology. Robots prime among them. She says that data-intensive technologies, usually and often inaccurately labeled artificial intelligence, are having a profound effect on research and challenging the boundaries of the fields that feed the pipeline of technology specialists. These technologies provoke a whole raft of new ethical issues and dilemmas. They can reduce the transparency and accountability of business processes and decision-making, requiring frameworks to ensure trust. There are issues of privacy and rights connected with personal data. Machine learning algorithms can introduce bias and discrimination. Resolving such issues requires an approach grounded in ethics and an understanding of what causes bias in the first place. Conversely, social scientists can be ill-equipped to research society in which digital platforms are embedded. Such platforms offer exciting possibilities for my discipline, she says, which has traditionally been based on surveys about what people think they might do, like who they're going to vote for in an election, or what they think they've already done but may not remember, rather than today's huge banks of real-time data. But to use such data requires expertise that can only be provided by a diverse research team. So, all you philosophers, hold your dusty penguin paperback of Plato's Republic High. It's about to get you a good job. Fancy that. International Internet Day on October 29th celebrates what many consider the most important invention in human history, the Internet. It's hard to fathom a world without the Internet. The Internet provides instant access to information. Search engines make this information easy to attain. In 1969, Charlie Klein, a student programmer at UCLA, transmitted a message on the 29th of October, 1969, from the computer housed at UCLA to a computer positioned at the Stanford Research Institute, 350 miles distant. That's the transmission that is celebrated every October 29th. Unfortunately, it's not true. The date is wrong, the distance is wrong, and the two computers hooking up were not the first. The real story is a fabulous look at engineers and their need to democratize and share knowledge well before the Internet came into being. Here's how two engineers, Larry Roberts and Tom Merrill, sent digital packets over 3,000 miles to each other in 1966. The fabulous part is why they did it. My newest book, The Untold Story of Everything Digital, has one of its central characters, the Whirlwind Computer, all 2,500 square feet of her. Whirlwind was the first real-time digital computer, built by Jay Forrester and his band of brash upstart engineers. They shocked the world with that first-ever digital computer. They instantly went from being brash upstarts to global experts of the highest regard when that machine kicked on. Whirlwind was not only the first ever real-time digital computer, but she was also the first mother of other computers. Give a listen to this. It's a 1961 CBS TV series called Tomorrow. It was hosted by David Wayne. Years later, David Wayne would become better known on the Batman TV show as The Penguin. This particular episode of the CBS TV show was about Mother Whirlwind and her children, the TX-2 and the Q-32. Tomorrow, a preview of the future as it begins to take shape in the laboratories of the world. 
Good evening. I'm David Wayne, and as all of you are, I'm concerned with the world in which we're going to live tomorrow. A world in which a new machine, the digital computer, may be of even greater importance than the atomic bomb. Can machines really think? Even the scientists argue that one. I don't believe that we can say yet that machines do think. I have a basic question which I always ask, and that is, are these producing anything really new? Until I see a machine producing genuinely new things, I will not agree that machines think. I confidently expect that within a matter of 10 or 15 years, something will emerge from the laboratories which is not too far from the robot of science fiction fame. Mother Whirlwind produced an abundance of offspring. Fecund is, I guess, what you'd call her. Mother Whirlwind had 30 clones of herself made on an IBM assembly line for use across the U.S. and Canada for the first ever air defense system. Whirlwind's clones, renamed for the military, were called ANSFQ-7. When MIT moved its military projects out of Cambridge to a new facility in Lexington, Mass., called Lincoln Laboratory, Mother Whirlwind couldn't tag along with the brash upstart engineers who built her when they set up shop at Lincoln Laboratory. So a clone of her was made in the basement of Lincoln Laboratory, an all-transistorized version called the TXO, or TIXO, which was soon given to MIT's Research Laboratory of Electronics, while another all-transistorized whirlwind clone was built called the TX2. Jay Forrester and his engineering crew, who had built Whirlwind and Tixo, as well as showed IBM how to clone Whirlwind on an assembly line, set about building the TX2. Clear across the country in Santa Monica, the System Development Corporation built a transistorized version of a Q7, which was renamed Q32. The TX2 solid-state computer at Lincoln Laboratory, with Larry Roberts at the helm, and the ANFSQ32 solid-state computer at System Development Corporation with Tom Merrill at the helm in Santa Monica. Larry Roberts at the TX2 was worried. His fear was that the local networking nodes that were being planned would only serve researchers and the elite. He wanted the common man and the common woman to share in all the knowledge that would someday cascade over the network. He believed in what J.C.R. Licklider called the intergalactic network concept, where everyone on the globe is interconnected and can access programs and data at any site from anywhere. Over dial-up telephone lines, Larry Roberts showed the feasibility of wide area networking. The test was to send a single word, Login, L-O-G-I-N, to Tom Merrill in Santa Monica. The first two letters, the L and the O, went fine. Then the system crashed. Miraculously, an hour later, the system came back up and finished sending the G-I-N. That transmission took place February 6, 1966, three years earlier than the 1969 date celebrated every October. Thank you, Larry and Tom. You're the real deal. Well, dear friends, we've come to the close of another This Is Robotics Radio News podcast. Many thanks for coming. We sincerely hope that you enjoyed your brief stay with us, found the program interesting, and had a few takeaways that will stick in your memory banks and power your day along. Thanks also to Global Robotics for being such a wonderful source for news. As a production of Asian Robotics Review, we hope you visit the site regularly. And please, sign up for our twice-weekly newsletters. It's painless. Just your email is all we need. So long, until next time. 
that brings to a close today's edition of Radio News. As always, thank you for your interest and attention. Until our next report, please be sure to click on over to This Is Robotics, the online news column at Asian Robotics Review. Also, look for This Is Robotics Radio News at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Pandora. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Radio News, signing off. Have a great day.